for us tonight. Um, we have two short readings tonight, uh, both from the book of Matthew. The first one is uh, in chapter 3, and it's just verses 1 to 3. And the second one will be in the next chapter, chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. Uh, you can find that on page 967 of the Blue Bibles in the pews, or you can follow along on the screen. Uh, so this is uh, chapter 3. John the Baptist prepares the way. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And then I'll just go over to chapter four. One page too far. Um, okay, verse 12 to 17. Jesus begins to preach. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, now John will come up and speak to us this evening, and I'll just quickly pray for him as he does. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for John. Um, I want to thank you for the way he serves the church uh, and comes up and speaks with us um, on your word. I just pray that you would give him wisdom tonight as he communicates uh, this message to us and for those of us in the congregation, I just ask that you would uh, allow us to be receptive of this message uh, and to help us to grow from what we hear tonight. Amen. Amen. Evening, everybody. Beg your pardon? Well, I heard about five voices. Evening, everybody. Hey, hallelujah. Good stuff. Now... Uh, this little series that we're going to be doing over the next two, just the next two or three weeks, I, I, I want us to explore what I think in this one is something particularly important. That's better, I can hear that I'm being heard. The kingdom of God with us. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, we need a comment here. The kingdom of heaven is the Jewish way of saying the kingdom of God, because the Jews won't say the name of God. So the name, the kingdom of heaven, is interchangeable with the name, the kingdom of God. So wherever you read that, you see them as interchangeable terms. They mean exactly the same thing. But what are we on about? I want to say this. I think we Christians have been taught in the past that what we need to do is live in the kingdom of Australia... And when we come to Christ, we pick up some of the rules from the kingdom of God that help us to live better in the kingdom of Australia. And that's exactly what is not the truth. The truth is that there is another kingdom beside the kingdom of God which exists in the universe and is far more powerful, 
far more significant and far more eternal than anything that the Kingdom of Australia might dream up. And our role is not to learn how to use the rules of the Kingdom of Heaven to live in the Kingdom of Australia, but to learn how to live in the Kingdom of Heaven by obeying what are not rules, but are about relationship. And our task as the people of God is to learn about the kingdom of God. That's where we live. That's what our life is all about. Forget about the kingdom of Australia. We'll live through that. That'll look after itself. What we need to do is to step not into the kingdom of Australia and try and be better Christians. What we need to do is to leave that to one side and step into the kingdom of God and on the basis of the kingdom of God now determine our lifestyle now determine our behaviour, now determine the things that are part of the kingdom. Let me give you an example. In the kingdom of Australia, there is an unwritten rule um, that gravity says that when you drop something, it'll drop down to the ground. You can't defeat that law. It's a law and it's a characteristic of the kingdom of this physical world, which is Australia. Now, there are, in the kingdom of God, just as many significant laws about how you behave they're not rules and regulations that you can take and say well if I obey this then I'm through they are characteristics of the kingdom they say to you if you live this way and you don't do this then you will damage yourself your life will not be what it so our task is not to obey the kingdom of Australia but to step into the kingdom of God now let's explore what this means it is the presence of the future. When Jesus came to this earth, he brought from eternity the very nature of his kingdom and his rule into this world. His kingdom invaded this world to the point where we have now two kingdoms in Australia, the kingdom of Australia and the kingdom of God. Now we know that occasionally there is the clash of the kingdoms. When one kingdom tries to take over, the kingdom of Australia tries to take over the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God just is. No kingdom from Australia or anywhere else will take over from the kingdom of God. And we as the citizens of the kingdom need to learn how to live in that kingdom. It is the royal rule of the king. It is not geographically bound. It is as the king rules. It's said, for example, that the kingdom of God moves like yeast. What happens is the kingdom of God moves from this person to this person and extends itself. And then it moves to another person and extends itself. And so it moves right the way through this society of ours in Australia and around the world and it is the presence of Jesus in the life of those who believe in him and give him therefore the right by his Holy Spirit to lead us in the life of the kingdom of God. The future is here to stay. Now that Jesus has come, the future is with us, not in completion, not in fullness, but is exactly what we will do when we pass through to be with him for eternity. We are just seeing through a glass darkly now. There will be a time when we see clearly and face to face and we will know and we will be known and, will we, un and we will understand. The future is here to stay.
It's now, the Old Testament, you see, was about saying, this is phase one. Phase one about who God is with the Israelites and all that sort of stuff. Look forward to phase two. Phase two is Jesus has come and the kingdom is now here. Old Testament was always about looking forward to phase two, completion in phase two. The future will be revealed at its consummation. When Jesus returns, he will reveal to us the characteristics completely of the kingdom of God. And we'll be citizens of the kingdom of God and we will live with those as our heritage. We will live with those as our life. And we will live in relationship with the living God on the basis of everything that is revealed as Jesus comes again. We can see the kingdom today. The kingdom of God is a new world and we see it by rebirth. Jesus spoke in parables. And, and, and people say, oh, I don't understand the parable. Well, there's a good reason for that. Jesus spoke in parables so that those who listened would either understand or not understand and those who understood are those who have the Spirit of God in their hearts reinterpreting what the parable is saying so that they might understand what the parable is all about. He's saying to you and to me, this kingdom of his works on the basis of his spirit inside you and inside me do you remember when I first came, I preached a sermon, come dance with me? Remember that? That's what it is. He says to us, now, with my spirit, come dance with me. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let your life be empowered by the spirit of God, leaning and yearning and speaking to you in all sorts of directions. And that's the characteristic of the kingdom. That's how we live. That's what we're for. Don't worry about the kingdom of Australia, that'll look after itself. Occasionally we're going to get meshed up in the kingdom of Australia as the, as the kingdom of God children, but the Lord will sort that out for us. We just have to learn to listen even to know how to do it. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. It's as though, folks, our spirits, when we are born, are stillborn. And they need at some stage of the game to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he rebirths our spirit. It's only on the rebirth of our spirit that we have the capacity to read what's going on in the kingdom. Now I want to say to you, if you've not given your life into Jesus' hands, if you have not claimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you've not asked him to be the one who guides and keeps your lives, if you've not asked him, not asked him to forgive your sins, then it's time to do it. Because on that basis you will begin to come into the kingdom and you will explore what life was intended to be right from the beginning. This is what God created and Adam messed it up. Now we're back to reality but he says this will only happen as my spirit guides you. So come to me and accept in faith all I am. If you haven't done that can I please ask you see one of the staff around the place or one of the leaders of the church and they will help you do that and they will introduce you to Jesus. Thereafter, he is all you want. He is all you need. Seeing the kingdom again. The kingdom is the theme of Jesus' ministry. Uh, in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, we see the teaching of the kingdom, the kinds of things that Jesus wants us to hear, uh, brought together by Matthew. 
in chapters 8 and 9, we see the healing of the kingdom, the characteristics of, of Jesus' presence was always him speaking and teaching. And then people would come along and they were paralyzed and he'd heal them. He would do and he would preach and he would do and he would preach. That's what the kingdom is like for us. Chapter 10 is the empowering of the 12. Now, here you see the system. Jesus was 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Suddenly, that expands to 12. To 13, really. Because what happens is that Jesus gives authority to, the, to his disciples to now be, the, to now be the, the, the servants of the kingdom. And those, 10, those 12 go out and they do what Jesus used to do. And all of a sudden, there are people begin to believe. And the kingdom begins to expand as, as, as yeast going out and around. Jesus Christ is the kingdom present because Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom. Now this is very hard to grab hold of. How can the Lord who created this universe, and if any of you are aware of the details of the universe, size of the university, the universe, the complexity of the uni, so on, if you could just understand that, how can you say at the same time that that one comes to me, he knows my heartbeat, he knows my fears, he knows my hurt, he knows how many hairs on my head. How can you say that? Uh, the answer is I don't know. But he does. He does. It's real. It's true. We are not about the kingdom of Australia. We are about the kingdom of God. Learning how to live and move and have our being in the kingdom of God. That's where we live. That's our heritage. Listen to John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom is near. What does repent mean? Well, it simply means turn around. You're going the wrong way. Turn around. Back, face the other way and face in towards Jesus. Because if you're going to keep going the way you're going, you're going to mess things up. It's time to turn around and face Jesus and come to faith in him again. Again, come to faith in him. Matthew 3, 2. Getting a slow reaction from this thing. The kingship reveals the kingdom. The way the king behaves is the nature of the kingdom. Jesus loved. Jesus cared for. Jesus cried at the loss of his friends when they died. Jesus was a human being par excellence. But he was at the same time a human being whose being was infused by the being of God himself. And the God-man came to be with us. And he now shows us the nature of the kingdom. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. This kingdom releases all of the power of the universe into your hands under the control of the spirit. The spirit is in control in your life of everything you could possibly need. Finances, well, you're only ever given as a custodian the finances of the kingdom. You're a custodian. That's who you are. That's who I am. I'm a servant of the living God. And when he says move, I move. When he says jump, I jump and ask how I. That's what the kingdom is all about. Seeing the kingdom. Come on, Gertie. 
No. Jesus' gospel was the emancipating power of the kingdom of God taught and demonstrated. It was the authority of Jesus doing the things that he does and demonstrating the whole thing to the universe around him. To summarise, just quickly, the kingdom is a new world entered by rebirth. The kingdom is the theme of Jesus' ministry. That's what he came for. That's what he said. That's what he did. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom is present in his person. He is the king of the kingdom. The kingship reveals the kingdom. And Jesus' gospel is the emancipating power of God taught and demonstrated. Now, that's a very brief summary of what I've been saying. There's a lot more. You write massive essays about the kingdom of God. But that's the detail of it. The kingdom is a real present blessing for its citizens. It changes life in the here and now. First thing it does is to say, you don't need to be controlled by the kingdom of Australia. In the kingdom of Australia, you can lock up pornography. In the kingdom of, uh, of Australia, you can, uh, you can uh, rip out all of the trees in the, in the forest and turn them into rubbish. In the kingdom of Australia, you can do what you like and, and uh, you know, lose the platypi. You can, in the kingdom of Australia, you can lose all the koalas. That doesn't matter. In the kingdom of God, he says to us, you have responsibility to look after the universe. In the kingdom of God, he says, every single element is there for you to care for and look after. You are the custodians of the world. You are the custodians of the earth. That's what you do. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. Do you think God does that stuff now? Well, why would the God of that kingdom be changed over the last 2,000 years? He did it then and he does it now. He did it then and he does it now. It is our heritage as the people of God not to control that, and to say to everybody that that's what ought to happen in the church. But to say, Lord, we are open to your movement. We are open, open to your change. We're open to whatever you want to do. We put no controls on you, whatever. Indeed, we yearn for your presence and your power to come amongst us. It's a present gift to those who are responsive. See that last word? It's not a present, obviously, to those who say, oh, I don't really want to do that yet. I've got other things going on. The kingdom of Australia is too attractive, so I'm not going to bother. Well, he says, that's fair enough. That's your choice. On that basis, you'll be judged into the future. If you say you reject God, that'll be the basis of it. But I want to say to you that if you are responsive, then you open up a whole range of things. To happen in your life. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now let's read that carefully. Because the kingdom of God is always about a relationship, the kingdom of God is always about a relationship, you speak to him in the relationship about the things that are on your heart. You talk with him about the issues. You listen to his voice and then you ask for what he says you need to ask for. When you ask for what he gives you to ask for, it's yours. 
It's not this open slather. Oh, I need a fishing rod tomorrow. Okay. Lord, can I have a fishing rod? Yes, you have a fishing rod tomorrow. It's not about that. That's that I mean, that's a trivial example. It is a serious business of this relationship being everything that we are. What's the gift? The gift is the dance partner. The gift is the Holy Spirit who comes alongside you. As your spirit is reborn, he enters into your heart and your mind and your character and your personality and as the spirit of the kingdom, he now talks to you about Jesus. He talks to Jesus about you. He reports to you about Jesus. He teaches you everything you need to know about Jesus. He is guaranteed by Jesus to be the one exactly the same as Jesus. And Jesus says he will only ever talk to you about me. He'll never speak on his own behalf. He will always be leading you into a relationship with myself. What a gift. What a, are you lonely in this world? Are you lonely in this world? I have to say to you, that to, to drive the car and know that I've got a dance partner sitting next to me is the most incredible thing on the, in the universe, to be able to talk to him, to be able to love him, to sit with my wife and hold hands and talk to him together about our marriage, about our relationship, about our kids. Goodness gracious. No, they're great kids. I love them. <laughs> You're not listening, girls, are you? Some examples of the gift of God. First of all, the gift of salvation. You're set free. In this kingdom, there are no citizens who carry backpacks. Because a lot of people in our world have big backpacks and they carry around all the sin of their past. They carry around all of their misdeeds. They carry around all of their broken relationships. They're all hanging around and the backpack gets heavier and heavier and heavier, drains on their neck and begins to choke them. The gift of salvation. When you front up to God at the end of time, and he looks you in the eyes and reads the book that says, well, Joe Blow's done this and this and this. And he looks up at you and shakes his head and says, you're fine because you wear Jesus. You are clothed in my son. You have been set free of all of the sin, all of the burden, all of the difficulty of your life. And I have named you as mine. Your name is in the book of life. Welcome home. The gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's his promise. The gift of forgiveness. I want to talk about this next week so I'm not going to steal my own thunder. But... Uh, in our world, in the kingdom of Australia, does forgiveness count? No, why would it? I'm prepared to do what I need to climb the ladder. I'm prepared to, do, to drive however I want by skipping in front of other people. I'm one car ahead of what I used to be. 
Do I, do I get forgiven? Do I, you know, when, when somebody has killed your family and you hear these families saying, I will never forgive you. You know how he carries the burden for that? The person who refuses to forgive. We'll talk about that next week. But this whole notion, if you read the story of the unmerciful servant, you'll get a picture of, of uh, God saying to us, this kingdom, remember the parable is about telling you what the kingdom is about. Generally it starts with the kingdom of God is like and quite often it's about God himself. He's saying to us, we need to learn to forgive one another or you will so load your backpack up with stories from the past that you will not be able to go on without doing the same thing yourself. I'm out of batteries again, boys, I think. You got any batteries up there? Oh, now I've got it, it goes off. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Uh, I don't want to steal my thunder for next week, but the only thing that Jesus picks up from the Lord's Prayer and repeats is the need to forgive. Can you turn that over for me? Who's running the thing up there? Can you do that next one? The kingdom of the gift of righteousness. I'll put that down. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness in all of these things will be given to you as well. Being right with God. Knowing when I get up in the morning and I listen to his voice and I hear him say, I love you. Let's dance the life together today. Let's go on into the things that are really important. Let's develop the things that are really fine. Let's move on into the things that really matter. And when he puts his arms around me and gives me a hug and says, look, I understand how you're hurt, but I'll, I'll come alongside and I'll be with you. I'll look after you. I'll bless you all the way through. Let's do the next one. It's a present gift to those who are responsive. Ask Jesus into your life. This becomes the place where you live and you can therefore respond to what he's doing. Next, the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of righteousness. Now, I've only picked three because we don't have time to talk about a whole pile of stuff, but that, those three are examples. If they're significant, you can imagine what the rest are like. Next on. See, the kingdom ministry today, in Jesus' life, his ministry emphasis was on teaching and doing. Teaching and doing. Speaking into great masses and healing people all over the place. Teaching his disciples and healing who they are. Fixing up their thought processes and all that sort of stuff. In Acts, Luke's words are a record of Jesus' ministry in his multiple body. Luke's gospel and Acts are one book. Luke's book comes to the end of one papyrus and so that uh, they could move it onto the next papyrus, they called it a second book. But Luke and Acts are actually meant to flow directly through so that Acts, Luke's story about Acts, talks about how things happen in the kingdom once the yeast begins to spread and different people begin to realise that this Lord of the universe is mine. I love him. I'm prepared to give my life for him. I don't care what the Romans are going to do. I don't care what the Jewish brothers tell us they, they think of us. I don't care about being banned from everywhere because I belong to Jesus. 
The ministry is the same. Now be careful here, because I can see you looking at me and saying, ah, yeah, well, you're the minister. Uh, There's Miriam's up the back there somewhere, I saw. Yep, she's the minister. Beth's around the place. Where are you, Beth? She's up the back. They're the ministers. Lauren, I know, sitting up in that back top corner. Well, I have to say to you, you're wrong. We have four ministers among 150. Because every single one of you, every one of you is a minister in the kingdom. And what do you use to minister in the kingdom? Well, he said to us, when you were born again, I implanted into you certain gifts that are characteristic of who you are. You know who you are. You know what you're good at. You might be great at cooking buns. Scones when we're doing the mass. You might be great at doing a whole pile of things. But what he says to us, your ministry is about who you are. What do you reckon my ministry is? Being a preacher. A few other things, but mainly about being a preacher. What's yours? This church will function as it's supposed to function as a church where you listen to your leadership, you get the people in the right places and then every single person turns up to use their gifts so that the kingdom of God might expand. You know about this church, don't you? You know that this church has more potential locked up in it than almost anywhere I've seen. You come here at night and you see 120 young people, 18 to 23, 24, and you say, these are the leaders of the future. God is going to use, not 120 tonight, but God is going to use these guys. This is not a simple playground. This is where people are serious about this stuff. It's about ministry. It's about whom God calls us to be. Move on to the next one. Kingdom of ministry today, thus Jesus' words in Acts 1, 4 and 5 and 8 become crucial to the early church. In a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does it mean to be a witness in the kingdom? Well, clearly it means you go overseas. You're a missionary, aren't you, if you're a witness? No. Uh, It just means you be who you are. And as you do the things that God gives you to do, and as he calls forth from you behaviour that's consistent with his kingdom, the kingdom of Australia says, look at that bloke. Look at that girl. Look how she behaves herself. Look 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 how they love one another in that place. Look how they care for one another in that place. When someone falls over, look how many people gather around to help out. It's not the same at our footy club. Jesus' ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. You realise that, don't you? Uh, If you want to look it up, Acts 10.38. Paul's ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter's preaching was a Holy Spirit ministry. Now, before we go to the next one, Let me ask you to guess what is the basis of your ministry. Well, do the sums, folks. Talk to me. Holy Spirit. The ministry of the church today is in the power of the Holy Spirit alone. You know how people frighten up and say, oh, I know how to run a business. Let me run the church. 
Well, you might run a business, but this is a family. You've got to get the right people leading this church because the family needs to be treated as a family and loved. Kingdom ministry today, the ministry of the kingdom here and now by our surrender and yieldedness to Christ, that is to say, Jesus extends himself in our ministry. We come to him, we live in him. Our purpose for existence is this kingdom. Our, king, our purpose for existence is not the kingdom of Australia or any other country for that matter. It's not bound by geographical boundaries. It's bound by the truth of the yeast moving amongst us and his right to have authority, his right to rule. And he says to us, the ministry of the kingdom is here and now by his spirit dwelling in you, his ministry expresses itself in you. This is what you're searching for. What do I need to do when I've finished university? What course am I doing at university? Why should I do what I'm doing? What are you preparing me for, Lord? Where am I supposed to be going? Where should I live? Why am I here at Kew? Just go back to that one, the bottom bit. By his spirit dwelling in you, filled and guided, his ministry expresses itself in you. It's always Jesus doing it, but somehow or other he seems to feel that it's useful to have you holding the reins. He says, I'm the master, you're a servant of the kingdom of God, let's go. So what's in the life of the kingdom about? Well, it's about knowing and doing. Next, life in the kingdom is entirely at the guidance and empowering of the Spirit of God and in these three, knowing, being and doing. I remember talking about we live in him and move in him and have our being in him. Remember us talking about that a while ago? They all link across. There's interlinkages right across the scriptures. There we go. Thank you. There's not another one. <laughs> 